All right. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. It's Monday, everybody. Praise God. Um, last week, I received a um, several questions that I am going to attempt to answer for you all. I'm not going to name you by name, but you'll know when your situation is called. And I ask that you take what I say under prayerful advisement. I am not the authority on anything, but I will share some biblical uh, guidance, some wise counsel, and then you can proceed from there, give you some scriptures and so forth. Um, there are three things that I want to address. The first one is condemnation. And I talked about that a little bit on my Facebook page earlier. Um, this, uh, the way that condemnation works, it is a self-critical um, spirit that causes you to look down on yourself, to discredit yourself. Um, it brings low self-esteem, low self-worth. Um, it is a very, very harsh critical spirit that if you don't address and if you don't deal with it, and I mean confronting it and examining why the condemnation is there, what, which door it came through, because condemnation comes through a door. And many times <coughs> it will come through a door of something you probably did or, you know, something you were involved in. Whoever was at fault is irrelevant. But it came through a door of something that actually happened. Otherwise, condemnation loses its power. And so condemnation and the, the scriptural evidence I want to give you out of, is coming out of John chapter 8, verse 10. And it's talking about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Now, I'm not saying anybody here was caught. And don't try to figure out, what well, who's you talking about? Quickly, your nosy, just listen. Praise God. Um, but this gives you the best illustration in terms of how to confront the condemnation how Jesus feels about it and how you can pick up and move forward. So if you want to get some good background study on that, <coughs> you want to look at John chapter eight, verse 10 or John chapter eight. And it's going to give you some context surrounding that. So it's talking about the woman caught in an uh, act of adultery force. The gentleman that she was involved with was not caught for whatever reason, but because the, the, the trap was to ensnare Jesus. Um, so they caught this woman, brought her to Jesus and, wanted him to condemn her, wanted him to judge her, wanted him to convict her, wanted him to ostracize her, humiliate her, rebuke her, which is all of the fruits and workings of condemnation. It's a judgment spirit. And, and it, it doesn't have to come from somebody else. It can come from yourself. You can judge and you can do all of that stuff yourself by yourself. Um, but what did Jesus do? Jesus, first of all, took time to respond. And I think the important thing in that is when you're facing condemnation, you need to stop and think about which door did this come through? What did I do? Or what was I involved in? Or what were the circumstances? And in that, you really have to be honest because again, condemnation is, come, is gonna come through a door, okay? And so you really have to be honest. And, and you know, I hate to say it, but I'm gonna say it. Sometimes Christians, and y'all know how I feel about that word, but believers can be dishonest and say, well, it was their fault or they did it or, but you, you're gonna to have to come to a place, if you want true deliverance, it's gonna come on the heels of being honest. And I, I'm just I'm just gonna, you can come to the altar or go to God in prayer a million times and give him a half truth. He knows the whole truth, but there are things you have to confess. And so when you're dealing with condemnation, you need to first of all, acknowledge the door that condemnation came through. Because condemnation, any demonic spirit is a legalist spirit. Satan himself is a legalist. That's why the Bible says that he's, that he's the accuser of the brethren. When someone is making an accusation, 
there is some truth to it. It may not be a whole truth, but there is some truth to it. Okay. This is why he told the Lord. He said, do you, does Job suffer you for um, worship you, serve you for nothing? <laughs> and so what Satan was saying was that Job is serving you because of the stuff. And so God had to prove Satan wrong. So what I'm saying is when you're dealing with condemnation, most times than not, there is a door, a legitimate door that it came through. Now, it doesn't matter what that door is. It doesn't matter what was done, what you did or what your involvement was. The fact of the matter, and if those of you remember a message I did on Joshua a couple, well, last year, and I was talking about he stood before the Lord with dirty garments on. You know, Satan will pick up on things that you have not dealt with and he will accuse you of it. Okay, the Bible said he accuses Moses, accused Moses before the throne day and night. You know, he, he doesn't have a right to this. He shouldn't have that. And, and what you have to understand, people of God, is when you come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm a, I, well, you're not a sinner, but I have sinned. And whatever, whatever, like the woman with the issue here, right? I mean, with the adultery thing. She was caught in that. You couldn't lie because she came naked or barely clothed. So it was obvious she did it. She didn't come before the Lord and say, well, what happened was, or this was, it, that, that when you when you want when you are seeking to be delivered and and set free from condemnation you have to be honest and you have to admit and confess your part in it whatever it was okay so let's just say you you know and I don't want to speculate because I don't want to bring nobody's stuff in but I, in this woman's case okay let's say you know in that time when Jesus paused let's say she was pleading her case yes I was committing adultery yes they did catch me in the act when you do that you take away the enemy's legal ground that's why the bible says about forgiveness and repentance when you do that you take away the legal ground you take away the door of access that he has to condemn you and what happens with many of us is for whatever reason we won't tell it you know we won't tell what we did we'll tell what everybody else did but we won't tell our part and so that's where the dishonesty comes in, the deception comes in, the half-truth, and that's what keeps you in that bondage. And so in order to break free from that, you've got to admit, okay, Lord, this is what I did. This is my part of the involvement in the matter. And God, I apologize. I'm sorry. I wish I had never done it. God, I repent. I was weak. I was under the influence or whatever your situation is. But whatever you do, when you are faced with condemnation, and it kind of goes into the, other, the next question I had about mind battles, these two questions are really connected, is when you don't deal with that and, and, and condemn, the enemy is using condemnation, you don't deserve that. You're not going to get that. You're, you're not, God is not going to do that for you. you. You know, these are the kind of the voices of condemnation that will continue to remind you of your your failures it reminds you of your shortcomings it reminds you of your inadequacies and how messed up you are on how how you know it, it that's what the voice the, the voices of condemnation um will do for you and so you've got to counteract that you cannot just be quiet you have to open up your mouth and you have to go to god in prayer and say lord you know what I'm dealing with condemnation. Your word said there's no condemnation. You, your word says that if I come before you, if I confess my faults, you're faithful and you just to forgive me and you will cleanse me. Because you don't just want God to forgive you. You still have a tendency to do that same thing, right? Or you still have the tendency to be, um, to, to fall prey to that same thing. So it's not just, Lord, forgive me, Lord, cleanse me. In other words, remove the thing in me that makes me yield to that thing. So it comes, you gotta be honest with God in prayer and take that thing to him. That woman stood before Jesus 
And while Jesus paused, I can only imagine, the Bible doesn't say it, right? But I can only imagine, I would hope that this was a time that she came to grips with what she did, you know? And because something happened spiritually. When Jesus finished and he looked up at her, he said, woman, where are your accusers? So something happened to where she owned her part of that situation and Jesus defended her. That's where you want to get to. Those of you that are dealing with condemnation, things that you have done or things that you got involved in or things that you had a part to play in or whatever that is, is number one, own it, accept response, accept your role in it. Okay, it's painful, it's hurtful, it's gonna probably come with tears, it's gonna come with some shame, it's gonna come with some crying. I mean, it's, it's gonna be depending on the depth of the thing, it's gonna be an emotional experience. And so these are things that, like I said, we don't bring that stuff to the altar. That's some homework, homework that you have to do between you and God because you don't want nobody to know that. You understand what I'm saying? When they brought that woman with the actor in the act of adult, they brought her to shame her. God is not trying to shame you. God, you know, he, he loves you and he wants to, uh, <clears throat> he wants you to come to a place of truth and he wants you to come to a place of honesty, but not to the expense of you, everybody knowing all your business. There's some things don't nobody need to know. Paul said, he said, I'm ashamed to even talk about some of these things, even, you know, in the dark, I don't want to talk about it. It's a shame to speak of, them, you know? And, you know, so you, you, there are things that you need that you know that you're battling with, that you know that you're struggling with, and you keep dealing with it over and over, over and over, over and over. And that's how condemnation does. It wears you out. It will, every time you think you have reached a point to where, okay, I'm over it, that thing will come back and ride you again. Remember what you did. Remember, <laughs> many of you remember, uh, um, may remember a, a, a movie years ago, and I don't even watch it, but it was like, I remember what you did last summer. And then it kept, it had like series to it. I remember what you did last week or last summer part two. And I'm like, good Lord, what do they do? <laughs> like some people would not let them forget what they did, but that's what condemnation does. Condemnation continues to remind you of what you did or what your involvement was in a thing. And so you've got to, number one, acknowledge it. Lord, yes, I did come clean. That woman stood before the Lord naked or in whatever posture she was. And she, she didn't try to hide it. She didn't try to cover herself. She stood there and she faced it. She faced her accuser. She faced Jesus. She faced her mess. So you have to do that too. You got to come clean and say, yes, God, I did do that. I did whatever. Now, Father, I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me, God. Strengthen me. Help me. Show me why I did it, Lord. Show me that weak areas in me that keeps drawing me back to that same thing. Whatever your prayer thing is going to look like, follow God in that. Okay, and then understand what did Jesus say? Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? At that point, there was a moment of reckoning. When she came clean, it removed the license for people to accuse her. In other words, what the enemy says about you and, and, and the way he taunts you, it, you have taken away his power because you told it on yourself. And you, many of us who were children and you have one of your siblings say, oh, I'm going to tell mama, I'm going to tell daddy. And it would just terrorize you because you could only imagine the butt whipping you was going to get, right? And so what do you do? You just, sometimes you just break and say, you know what, let me tell on myself because the torment of you holding that power over me is just, is just doing me, it's just doing something to me. And so just go and tell it on yourself. Go and tell it on yourself that way you remove the power from the enemy to condemn you and accuse you and harass you. And that woman, as she stood before Jesus, Jesus, there was a moment of clarity, a moment of truth. Jesus said, woman, are you where are your accusers? Nobody. And he said, he that is without sin cast the first on, nobody moved, right? 
And so he said, woman, he said, uh, your sins, he said, go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And so in condemnation, you come before the Lord, you bring your issues, you deal with it, however God wants you to deal with it. And then you don't go back to that anymore. You don't return to that. He said, woman, I see your sins are forgiven. And he said, go and sin no more. I think it's what scripture says. And so that's, that's in a nutshell, how you can confront condemnation and how um, biblically, how God looks at it. Okay, he went, but you got to bring it to him. That's the thing. You, we sit and we let the enemy just beat us up and beat us up and wear us down. And you, but you won't go to God. The enemy is accusing you before the Lord day and night. He's got your name in his mouth right now. Well, you know, she did this. You know, he did that. And instead of you confronting it and dealing with it, you just, you know, just let the enemy wear you out. Go and yes, Lord. Okay, yes. Go to your father and say, yes, I did do that. I, yeah, I broke the dishes. I'm sorry. I, I was mad. I threw the dishes. I know that's your favorite dish. You know, I'll make it up to or whatever. Just deal with it so that you can take away the power from condemnation. Okay. So there's there now there's therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So in Christ, there's no condemnation. Why? Because you should know that you can go to God when you do mess up because we will. So that you shouldn't walk around condemned. You shouldn't walk around feeling oppressed by the enemy. You shouldn't walk around being tormented because you should know by now that there's a father who loves you. There's Jesus Christ who is advocating for you, who is going to the Lord on your behalf and he's rebuking the enemy. Shut up. I know she's messed up, but she's coming. Just, just, she's going to be all right. <laughs> he, he's coming. Just, just, it's going to be okay. I'm covering her. I, she's got my blood. She's got my name. She's going to be all right. So there should, you should not be carrying condemnation because you should be taking your, cast your cares upon the Lord. Why? Because he cared for you. So that's the wisdom and biblical counsel on condemnation. I want to move right on into being double-minded. Um, excuse me, double-minded. It's the devil's lie. Is being, um, is dealing with mind battles. And the reason why I said double-minded is because I was looking at the scripture in James chapter one, verse eight, the Bible talks about a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. The Bible said, let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord, right? So the issue with people who are battling in their minds um, can, is, has multiple layers to it. Number one, people are battling in, in their minds. Some condemnation it does have something to do with it. That's why I said some of these thoughts are connected. So it could be issues of condemnation, things that you did and you feel like God is punishing you or you feel like things are not working out for you because of what you did. And which if that's the case, if that's true, go to God. Lord, I did do that. Lord, I did. I mean, we all, that's why I posted today and it was, in it was in commemoration of some of you all's questions to me this week, is we all have sinned. We all have come short of God's glory. Nobody's perfect. There's no perfect nobody but Jesus. Okay, so, so and I was telling somebody this morning, give yourself permission to be human. And that's the thing in Christ, everybody wants to be the super pastor and super preacher and super bishop and super prophet and super whatever. And, and you know, stop looking what, at, at what everybody else is doing because everybody else is messing up too everybody's got problems. We live in a fallen world. We are flawed people. We were made from dirt. We're dirty. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need to eat the bread of life. That's why we need the waters, uh, the everlasting uh, waters of Christ to, 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 to cleanse us and to refresh us and to purge us and wash us. We need that. We need that. So you got to give, you got to, first of all, just chill out. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you my overthinkers, I love y'all so much, but y'all wear yourself out. You wear yourself out. You think, 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 think so much 
instead of taking all of these thoughts to God in prayer and dis, dis, disciplining your spirit to leave them there. So some of the issues with mind battles are coming on the heel of condemnation, things that you have you, you, you have not confronted for whatever reason, you didn't know you needed to, or you figure, I don't want to talk to God about that. Let me talk to him about money, but I want to talk to him about that. You need to go to God about everything. Take everything to the Lord in prayer, the songwriter said. Anxiety. Many of us have anxiety. Anxiety is you worrying about this and stressing about that. How is that going to work out? And what does the Bible say? Be anxious for nothing. Stop worrying. If you, and this is why we talked about faith at the beginning of the year. If you believe God loves you, if listen, here's, here's what I tell people. If you believe God can raise you from the dead, if you believe those of your loved ones who have died in Christ are that they are home with the Lord, then you should not worry about paying your duke bill, your light bill. You know what I'm saying? How can you have how can you have faith to believe God to raise somebody from the dead and you can't believe God to pay a bill or to get you to work on time tomorrow or whatever? Something is seriously wrong. So confront those areas uh, areas of anxiety. Why am I stressing over this area? Haven't you seen God deliver you? Haven't you seen God brought you out? Have God ever failed you? And so you've got to learn how to take some of this stuff and, and say, you know what, from this point forward, God. You've already proven yourself to be a way maker. You've already proven yourself to be a, a healer. You've already proven yourself to be a, a deliverer. So why am I stressing? Okay. Another thing, well, let's talk about condemnation and guilt, which are kind of married, is guilt. Some of us are still carrying guilt from things before Christ, things you did before you even knew Jesus. And I'm, I, that's, I'm coming into another topic in just a little bit. So you've got to forgive yourself. We talk about forgiving others, but many times, many times people have a hard time forgiving themselves. You've got to forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for the mistakes you made. Forgive yourself for not being strong when you were weak. Forgive yourself for being played. Forgive yourself for being taken advantage of. Forgive yourself for being um, lied to. Forgive yourself. Well, I should have known better. Well, obviously you didn't. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm, 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 not, I'm Just hear my heart. Apparently you didn't know better. Otherwise you would have done better. So then what do you do? You take that lesson, you take the wisdom from that mistake and you say, okay, from this point forward, I will never do that again. You don't can continue to beat yourself and wear yourself out. Why would you do that? The next thing is fears. Fears will give you a mind battles. Well, you know, uh, I should have this by now or I shouldn't be going through this right now. I shouldn't be. And, and so there's a fear that you will never ever emerge from your present state. There's a fear that you'll never overcome in an area. There's a fear that you'll never succeed in that area, which is also married to anxiety. And so here's a place where you've got to get into Ecclesiastes chapter three, and you've got to learn God's timing. You've got what people, what God may be working in somebody else's life. That's not what God is doing in you. And there are obvious reasons why God is not doing that in you right now. There are some things that we're not supposed to work out. And instead of you crying about it and, and worried about it and wonder what folk think, you need to be lifting your hands to Jesus and say, God, thank you that that didn't work out. Hallelujah, Father. Now I trust you, God, that what is for me is for me. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Never. Never seen a seed big bread. The Lord has never abandoned none of his own. It's not in his character. So the fear of not being successful, the fear of not reaching some of your goals, you're going to have to arrest those fears in Jesus' name and cast it down and say, God, thank you that I'm in your time and not mine. <coughs> Sorry, I had to take a phone call. So you have to trust God for your timing, for whatever. Quit stressing, 
quit worrying. Those things are not fruit of God's Holy Spirit. And if you say you're Holy Spirit filled and you're stressing, you're worrying, then you really need to ask yourself, which spirit am I yielding to? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't make you act like that. Holy Spirit does not make you act like that. All right. Um, lack of faith. We covered that in January. You got to have faith that what God said he's going to do, if God has promised you something, then you got to learn people of God how to rest in, in the Lord. Many of us don't know how to rest. Um, and that's why I was telling you the Lord that told me, he said, Lord, Lord, I'm going to make you to lay down the green pastures. Many of us don't know how to rest because we, we're so used to, and I can speak for myself, we're so used to um, carrying the load or you know, bearing the weight, whatever it is. But there does come a season where God really wants you to distrust him. <coughs> and God wants you to rest, excuse me. God wants you to rest. And when I say rest, I don't mean you just lay down and well, Jesus, you fix everything, God. I ain't worried about, I'm not telling you to be crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Bible says you wait on the Lord. Waiting is still serving, right? But there's a different mentality. I'm serving the Lord while I wait for him to do this thing for me. So when you're battling in your mind, several things can happen. That's why it's not really a one size fit all answer. But for those of you that are having these recurring mind battles, then what you want to do is you need to start journaling what time, or, or put me say it like this, in which seasons of my life do I notice this mind battle? Are you battling around holidays? Are you battling around the first of the month? Are you battling around certain events? Pay attention to that. Always pay attention to patterns. And then once you kind of, you know, you know, you get it uh, <clears throat> jotted down, you can look at it. Well, I noticed around the first of the month, I always feel more anxious and jittery. And I feel like my nerves on end and I feel kind of aggravated and annoyed. Then, you know, you can kind of look at, well, maybe perhaps I'm worried about the bills. Perhaps I'm worried about not having enough to cover my monthly expenses. In other words, once you, you got to diagnose where these battles are coming from. Um, for It's going to be different for different people. Okay. But generally, you know, when do I have mind battles after I talk? I know I do. After I talk to certain people, I start having crazy dreams. I start having weird thoughts and whatnot, because these kinds of people are operating in some psychic stuff. So those mind battles are coming from the spiritual realm. Right. And so what what do I need to do? Bind, loose, cut down, snatch down words and things. That, so then that's what I have to do as a result. Um, if you're dealing with mind battles because of the first of the month, then what you want to do around the middle of the previous month, start saving, putting back, what have you, so you can make sure that you have enough. In other words, you know, do the work. Again, everything is about doing the work, y'all. You have to put the work in. You can't just, well, I'm praying about it. I'm praying. I've been telling you all for a long time. Some of these things that we're praying about um, is not a prayerable. It's a doable. And as you do, God will provide the wisdom, <clears throat> the support, and the help. But you're not just going to say, well, Jesus, pay the rent, Lord. I'm just going to lay down and trust you. And honey, you'll be looking for some place to stay. So you've got to put the work in. You've got to put the work in. So when you're having these mind battles and they're recurring mind battles, try to isolate them down to when they're happening. Do they come as a result of me being around certain people? Do they come as a result of a certain crisis or situation that is occurring in my life? Try to narrow those things down. Because what you don't want to do is become double-minded. One day you believe God. On Sundays, you're on fire. On Monday, can't nobody find you. And, and the, the tactic of the enemy with that is to move you so far out of faith and move you so far out of the will of God 
to where you you disqualify yourself, self-sabotage, we call it. God wants to do it for you, but he can't because you don't have the faith to receive it because your mind is bad. And I think God love me. I don't know. I didn't mess up last week. Well, I must have messed. You, you're going to have to pull that in. You're going to have to pull that in. Okay. Um, do some self-talk. Self-talk again. Why am I battling with this? Why every time I talk to Regina, I feel like I need to go out here and find a man? Why every time I talk to Nathan, I feel like I need to go smoke or whatever? You need to, there, I'm telling you, there's some people that operate in some real heavy spirits. There's some people that you talk to, I promise you, when you get off the phone with them, you feel like you just, you're the worst person. You, you feel like you're not even saved. You feel like you're not hearing God. You feel depressed. People carry these spirits. And especially if the enemy has assigned someone in your life to keep you low flying under the radar to where, I mean, I'm telling you, they, 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 they will put themselves to be the most spiritual things in the world and, and will always come at you. Well, what, uh, is God is showing you nothing? And by the time you get off the phone, you feel like, man, have I backslid? Do my gifts work? It will wear your mind out. Okay. So I'm just saying, you need to start paying attention. Because we can bind those. I come against mind battles. I come. You don't even know what you're fighting. You don't even know what kind of mind battle. You don't even know where the battle is coming from. My last thought is um is coming out of this was a question. It's a loaded question, and I've got to get to um practice in a minute. So I'm going to try to get my best thought, and I may move quick. Okay, but this question is for those who have been raped and have had children as a result, you know, you were raped or somebody was raped and they had a child as a, as a result of that rape, or it may not have been a rape, it may have been just some bizarre sexual encounter, right? Somebody was under the influence or whatever, and they came together, had sexual relations and a child was born, okay? And so now it's a matter of wondering, you know, you're looking at that child and you're wondering, you know, well, uh, are they cursed or is God, you know, um, um, holding me responsible for what happened with the child or is this why this child is not prospering because of what happened and and you know those are some good answers good questions rather let me give you some good feedback on that in psalm 51 verse 5 david said that he was um shaped in iniquity right instant did my mother conceive me now so what we do know is that there was something that happened between david and his mom david's parents something happened and as a result, it did cause David's life to be difficult. And you, y'all know the story of David's life. He was ostracized, rejected, orphaned, the whole nine yards, right? Um, and even as he became an adult, a lot of sexual things started manifesting um, in him and his bloodline. And even down to Solomon, it affected his entire kingdom, right? His reign. So I'm not going to say that the way a child coming to the earth is not going to affect their life, okay? Um, it will. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was born, many people could not even receive him because they knew that Joseph and Mary were not married. And so when Jesus came out of the water, the Lord, the heavens opened and God said, this is my son in whom I will please. In other words, the father had to validate his, the, um, Jesus' father, his father. He had to be validated. So there can be um, uh, fruit um, as a result of how a child is brought into the earth. That is very true. We've got biblical evidence for that. Um, I, another example is when Rachel was giving birth to Benjamin and she was in pain and she named him Ben-Oni, which she was cursing him because she was dying in childbirth. And, and um, Jacob stepped in and changed his name. 
because he didn't want his son being born under that pain. And then you have Jabez. Everybody knows the prayer of Jabez. And Jabez, the Bible said, was more honorable than his brothers. But Jabez's mother cursed him with the name. His name means pain. And so throughout Jabez's life, he had to struggle under the weight of the way he was born. So there is validation to the way a child is born. That's why, according to God's biblical design, that children are born through the agency of marriage. Not to say every marriage is a godly marriage. I'm just saying, but it, it's God's design for a child to be born with both parents and raised by both parents. That's the word of God. We live in a fallen world. Doesn't happen like that. So here's what you do. Because back in Moses' day, there was a law that it, the law was created not to humiliate people, but it was really a law <coughs> to enforce holy living. And the law was, I think it was found in Deuteronomy 32 or 22. And it said that it called the un, um, father child a bastard. Okay. And I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but that's the Bible. Okay. And it said a bastard should not enter into the congregation of the righteous for, for 10 generations. And so according to the law of Moses, that any child that was born out of wedlock, rape, incest, adultery, or whatever, any child that was not born out of the covenant of wedlock was considered a bastard. And so the, the, the punishment of that was that that child could not come into the camp of the righteous up to 10 generations. And so I think that was a more of a um, preventive thing. Just, you know, people were like, oh, I don't want to go through that. So let me make sure I'm married or what have you. Um, but of course, Jesus abandoned that, right? And so and you even find people now who will um, struggle with uh, their identity, people who struggle with their, <coughs> excuse me, people who struggle with, um, they're just challenged because of the way they were brought into the earth. There are certain things, demons and things lurking around the bloodline at the time that they were born and they do, they do affect them. But because Jesus came, let me just say that Jesus came and he nailed those curses to the cross. Okay. Galatians 3.13. And you can take your child or take yourself to God in prayer and you can, you can dedicate that child to the Lord, regardless of how they came into the world, they are here. And you can ask the father in Jesus name to blot out the handwriting and blot out the ordinances that were written in judgment against your child or against your grandbaby or whatever situation or against you if you're the one. And you can commit that child, dedicate that child to the Lord. That's why I love to do baby dedications. But the issue with that is people want to dedicate their baby to the Lord, but they don't want to dedicate themselves. And so there's a problem with that. Everybody loves those elaborate shows and all the family come together. But then, you know, you ain't living worth nothing. You won't keep the child in church. And so, it's you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, you know, wasted, spilled oil. And I hate to spill oil. So the issue with that is if you have a child who was born out of wedlock or born, you know, in some type of, uh, you know, adverse circumstances, yeah, the struggle is real, okay? And there are some physical things you've got to deal with, looking at a child that looks like the person and dealing with some of the mannerisms. And that's going to take the patience of God. It's going to take prayers. It's going to take the Holy Spirit to get you through that, okay? Um, but spiritually speaking, you can take that child and you can say, Father, in Jesus' name, I come against any demon that was lurking around um, the birth canal when this child was born to attack them because of the way they came into the earth. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over them. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, the father of their sin, God, and any sins that have fallen on the child as a result of the act, whether it was consensual or non-consensual, break it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what you want to do is pray a deliverance prayer over your child to deliver them from those spirits that do have a legal right to access. 
they do have a legal right, okay? And so you go to God in prayer because God has given you authority. You have authority in Jesus' name. So you don't have to walk, oh, my child, I wasn't married. I, I was, they had them out of wedlock. Like, honey, we, we're not victims, we're victors. You take that child and you lay them before the Lord and say, little Johnny, I wasn't married to your daddy or your mama when we were married. But in the name of Jesus, now that I'm a child of God, you are adopted into the family, beloved. You are no more bastard, but you are a son. You are a, a, um, a chosen by God and you begin to prophesy and you break those things off of their life. And things that you see manifest that may remind you of the father or remind you of the mother or what Ever, you have to be very vigilant. You can't just, you know, you just can't sleep and raise a child when you know that, that there are certain spirits that are predisposed to attacking a child. You have to be vigilant. You have to watch. No, you can't go to so-and-so house. No, so-and-so can't come over here. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It just takes a different set. Like when, when Sarah had to really watch Isaac, she had to watch Isaac and she noticed that Ishmael was teasing her child. And so when she watched and she saw what happened, she, she said, hey, uh, uh, Abraham, get rid of, cast out the bomb on my animal son. So when you know that, and I'm not saying that Abraham and Sarah's child was born, but there was something going on with Ishmael and Hagar. You see what I'm saying? So, so there was conflict around the bloodline. And, but Sarah was wise in that she watched the way her son interacted and who interacted with him. So what I'm saying is when you have a child born out of wedlock, born through a consensual union or non-consensual union, you have to be very vigilant because the enemy will try to use a license to attack and attach itself to that child's life and cause all kinds of problems and things. And see, David and Moses and all of them didn't have the, the deliverance knowledge and the blood of Jesus that we do now. So all they said was keep them out of the church, the congregation for 10 generations, because they don't want the people to be affected by that. Now, you know, hey, Jesus has torn down the wall of petition. We all can come to the Father through Jesus. All right. So, you know, I don't want you to pick that victim. Oh, my son was this, my daughter was this. Come on now. You know, we are, we are more than a conquering Christ. We're overcomers through Jesus Christ who loved us. You take that child, you take your grandbaby, your niece, your nephew or whatever, and you pray over them and you dedicate to the devil, you will not have them. I know they may have come through non-consensual union, rape, torment or whatever, uh, you know, some kind of sexual violence. But in the name of Jesus, you are beloved of the Lord. You are a child of God. You will do great things. So you prophesy and you come against the assignment of hell concerning that child. Amen. So, um. That's all I got. I hope that, that was helpful to you guys. I love your questions. Keep on bringing them and I'll do my best to answer them and give you some counsel and some Bible to go along with it. Okay. All right. Got to go. Love you guys. Bye.